Well, I hope you have your Bibles today in Luke chapter two, because we're going to look at a man named Simeon, and we're gonna to draw to close this series on waiting and how waiting is not a waste. You know, sometimes I preach sermons just simply because they're in the Bible and it's the next chapter. We'll start again in the book of Isaiah and the first of the year. But at other times, it's really helpful for me to go after a particular issue and look at it through the lens of various texts in the scriptures. And the theme of waiting has been just that. We've been able to learn some incredible things. I'll tell you, I've needed to learn how to wait. I'm not a great waiter. In fact, you may not know this, but my last name literally means early up, like vrog up, literally means early up. So even from like my genetic makeup, my forefathers decided to give us a last name that we get up early, we don't wait for the day to start, we break the dawn. So waiting is something that I've needed to learn and I've been really, really helped as we've been able to walk through these texts together, looking at a couple themes, themes like truth, considering what do I know to be true about God when I don't know what's true about my life? or the word trust, meaning I'm gonna to choose to worship as I wait. I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna adore, I'm gonna seek so that I can get to the place of trust. We've also looked at the issue of time. How do I embrace the limitations of life and learn to not just wait for the Lord, but to wait on the Lord? And then finally, what does it mean to wait together? We learned our Christmas Eve services, that it's important to help each other learn to wait and seeing waiting, not just as an individual issue, but as a community project. Well, today we're concluding, and the key word is the word transformation. And by this, I mean, I wanna invite you to value and celebrate the impact of waiting on your life. I'd like you to think back in 2021, and consider the moments where God asked you to wait, those moments where you thought, God has forgotten me. Why is this happening? Or you may have wondered, I don't see what the point is in all of what I'm experiencing. And yet, maybe in 2021, you saw the way that God not only met you, but also helped you to be able to see the tapestry that he was working. I hope you'll be encouraged to keep leaning into this subject of waiting because it's really important. Today in Luke chapter two, we're going to look at a man named Simeon and we're gonna see the, the context that Luke sets this narrative in. We're also gonna then look at the description of this man, Simeon, and then we're gonna feel the tension that's here in the text, all the while thinking about the way in which waiting can serve as a really, really transformative moment. So you can think of it this way. The text kind of answers these questions. Where am I? Who am I? And now what do I do next? So you may be in one of those seasons right now. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. And I just wanna encourage you to think about where are you and who are you? And now how do I trust the Lord in terms of what I do next? So let's begin in Luke chapter two, looking at the context. You need to know that the gospel writer Luke isn't just recording stories. He's stitching together a narrative, like every historian does, trying to communicate a really important message. The, the goal of his uh, gospel account 
is to help a man named Theophilus, who was likely some sort of Roman ruler, to help him understand what it is that he was believing. Apparently this man had come to faith in Christ, but Luke wrote to him in order to give him greater certainty about what he believed. Luke even says that in the opening chapter, that he writes to this brother in order to provide certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now, in the context of Luke 2, the story of Simeon, interestingly enough, follows the birth narrative right after we read of the shepherds and the angels, that really famous and familiar and well-known text about the angels and the manger. Here we find the narrative of Simeon, central figure of this text is this man who is waiting. We see that Jesus' birth was only part of the fulfillment of God's plan. There was a bigger story that God was writing and Luke wants Theophilus to understand this. And even beyond this, it's not just that Simeon's in this uh, particular context, but also a woman named Anna. And so we see this old man and this old woman that serve to sort of platform the message that Luke is desiring to communicate. Now, if you look at verse 22, it says this, when they came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So Leviticus 12 gave some pretty clear instructions of what a family should do after the birth of a child. And there needed to be an offering, a, a sacrifice, if you will, for purification. And that could have been, to, could have been a, a lamb, could have been a pigeon or a turtle dove. And the law allowed in cases of poverty for the offering to be two pigeons or two turtle doves to be offered instead of the lamb. And so Mary and Joseph leave Bethlehem and they travel six miles up to the city of Jerusalem. So that's the context in which this particular narrative is set. Now notice what happens next in the text. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the context is Mary and Joseph taking the baby Jesus to Jerusalem. And all of our lives have a context. We have a, a year in which we've lived. We have families that we've been born into. We have the reality of, of, of challenges of life that we all have. And now we find this description of this man. We learn that he lives in Jerusalem. It's interesting. The text doesn't tell us that he's a priest or a ruler. He's just a normal Jewish man. What, what distinguishes Simeon in this text is not his position. What distinguishes him is his godliness. Notice the four characteristics that are listed. We're gonna cover the first two and then look at the fourth and come back to the third. He's first described as a man who was righteous. It means that he was considered a man who was God honoring in his actions. The word here primarily relates to one's conduct with other people. So Simeon was known as a godly man in relationship to his 
conduct with other people. So he's righteous. Secondly, he's called devout. So he was apparently careful about his religious observances. He was a faithful temple goer, which meant he regularly positioned him to be in the house of the Lord and he regularly met with God. So he's righteous, he's devout. And we're gonna skip to the end of these descriptions. Uh, It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he was a man deeply influenced and controlled by the Spirit of God. There was something about him which indicated that there was this special manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. So Simeon was a model of godliness from an Old Testament perspective. He kept the law inwardly. He kept it outwardly. The very presence of God was in his life. But for the purpose of our time in Luke chapter two today, what I wanna focus on is this phrase that's in the middle of that description. The phrase that sounds like this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means that he took the prophets at their word and he was looking for that coming Messiah. So a few things to note here about how this phrase is set up in the text. The word waiting here is a present passive participle. What does that mean? It means that something active is happening to him and that it describes who he is or what he is like. In other words, his righteousness and his devout temple worship, the presence of the spirit All of that is marked by this characteristic pattern of waiting for the consolation of Israel. His godliness, listen to this carefully, was marked by waiting. Waiting wasn't something he did outside of his godliness. Waiting was the very thing that characterized his godliness. So let's just stop right there. As you think about waiting, could that be said of you? Do you see waiting not just as something that you must do when you don't know what to do, but is it possible that over the last month or so you've been able to see that waiting is actually central to what it means to be a righteous, passionate, committed follower of Jesus? I hope you've come to see waiting on the Lord differently over the last month. I hope you found new strength to wait upon him And the question I would just have to ask you is, are you more characterized by waiting? Instead of seeing it as something that must be tolerated, are you starting to see that actually waiting is more central to the Christian life than what I ever realized? Now in verse 26, we learn why he's waiting. A promise has been made to him. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. A promise had been made to him. And this promise was so precious to him that day after day, week after week, Simeon went to the temple looking for, longing for, and waiting for the fulfillment of that promise to him. You know, I think of the word transformation. Another hope that I have for you is that you've come to, pro- to, 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 to value the promises that God has made to you. The promises in his word, the promises of who you are in Christ. You know, when you come and put your faith in Jesus, you, you bank your life, you bank your eternity on the promises of God. 
What kind of promises? Well, promises that says that he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The promise that God is for us and not against us. The promise that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The Bible is filled with promises, and rather than seeing those promises as something that you look for in the future, I want you to be able to see that those promises are the very fuel that helps you when you're waiting. Those promises are the things that you grab a hold of, and as a result, help you to keep being faithful in the things that God calls you to do every day. One of my hopes from this sermon series is that you'd be able to realize that waiting is kind of the normative thing that Christians do. We wait for the Lord. We wait for his promises to be fulfilled. Maybe you can think back in 2021 and you can think of moments where God has fulfilled his promises. And my guess is there's many things as well that you can think of that you're still yet waiting for. You know, it's interesting, the word waiting here, like in the Old Testament, means, means to receive or to look forward to. But, but yet it has a little bit different nuance in the New Testament because it's deeply connected to waiting for something positive, waiting for something good. It's used in Luke 15 too when the Pharisees, or the Pharisees criticized Jesus because he received sinners. Jesus was doing something good. He was receiving them. He was welcoming them. He was being hospitable. As well, the Apostle Paul used it when he addressed the church at Rome as to how they were to receive and be hospitable to a woman named Phoebe in Romans 16 too. So my hope is that your posture as it relates to waiting has changed. I hope that instead of seeing waiting as either a waste or something that has to be tolerated, that you've actually come to see that I need to wait for the Lord. I need to wait on the Lord and to have the kind of mindset that characterized this man, Simeon, where he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that just wasn't something that he did. Listen, that was who he was. He was waiting. He was waiting. And so I hope that your posture, your attitude, your perspective has changed as it relates to waiting. There may be a thing or two in your life where, oh, it's really hard to wait for this particular thing that is unusually painful, or maybe it's been a really long time of waiting, and I hope that our journey through this sermon series has helped you to maybe embrace a little more perseverance in what it means to trust and wait on the Lord. You know, waiting characterized Simeon but waiting characterized all kinds of people in the Bible. In fact, the more I study waiting, the more convinced I am that it's just simply a part of what it means to be a Christian. In Mark chapter 15, Mark records that Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, he's the one who took the body from Pilate. It says, it describes him like this, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God. That's the same word. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. It's a characteristic of what it means to be a Christian. Or in Luke, or uh, Jude rather, 18 through 21, here's what Jude says. In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who will cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit keeping yourselves in the love of God, listen to this, 
waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So Jude just adds that to the list of all the things that seem to be the normal part of what it means to be a Christian. And I would hope that for many of us that talking and thinking and leaning into the subject of waiting has caused us to realize that waiting isn't something that I need to do. It's central to what it means for me to be a follower of Jesus. Even when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're waiting for a kingdom to come. I found another reference that was just really fascinating to me. You know, the word waiting can be used as something that is accepted as good. Listen to Hebrews 10, 34. It says, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. That word accepted, same word. You looked at your property. You waited for a different mindset as it relates to your property. He says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So it's like they looked at their possessions in light of what they were really waiting for. That's the idea. They could endure loss because of what they really love. That's the concept of waiting. I wonder if it's possible that the Lord has used this series to show you that this waiting season that you're in is not something merely to be endured, but rather something you should joyfully embrace. How crazy would it be if you could actually see waiting is a gift, a gift, rather than seeing it as something that has to be tolerated, but rather now able to see it as a moment for God to teach me things that I wouldn't have learned if he'd given me, given me everything I wanted immediately, an opportunity to trust him. So we see this context where, that Simeon is set in the narrative of Luke. We, of Luke. we see this um, description of him and the way in which waiting for the consolation of Israel is just simply a, another characteristic of what it means to be a godly person. And then finally, the text ends with a little bit of tension I'm not gonna end this narrative with everything buttoned up, like Simeon waited on God and that was it. Everything turned out just fine because it often doesn't work that way. See, we live in the world right now knowing that Jesus is going to return, but we live in a hard and confusing world. We wait for one thing and then God helps us to wait, but then another thing comes and we're still waiting and that's going to continue until Jesus returns. Look at verses 29 to 32. Text says, let's actually go up to verse 27. He came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. It's as though Simeon says, Lord, I have seen what you're doing. So just take me home right now. He sees the thing that he's been promised. He sees the coming revelation of God's deliverance for his people. He's thrilled that the plan of God is unfolding. He's been able to witness with his own eyes the fulfillment of God's promises. He has seen the salvation of the Lord. I'm sure that in your own life, you know those moments where God gives you just a little glimpse. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting and then finally you're able to see what it is that God is doing and there's so much joy and 
worship that just flows from your heart because you knew you could trust God, but now you're on the back end and he's proven himself to be faithful. And those are times that should be celebrated. And the ones that you had in 2021, don't forget those. You may even wanna take some time in your home or grab a piece of paper if you're by yourself, just kind of record how did we see God demonstrate his faithfulness to us as we waited upon him. But here's the thing. This text doesn't end like that. Simeon has an unbelievable moment of worship, but Joseph and Mary, they don't. And I love the fact that this text ends with some level of tension. Look at verse 33. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. He blesses them with a somber prophecy that this child will create division, that he will be opposed, that Mary will experience pain, and the thoughts of people will be exposed. I have to believe that Joseph and Mary heard this prophecy from Simeon, and while they were amazed at how worshipful he was, no doubt the words that he shared left them with a little bit of tension and internal conflict. Quite frankly, I think that's a realistic way to think about waiting. The goal of this series was not to make waiting always easy in your life or mine, because that's just simply not gonna be the case. There are gonna be things that God is doing, things that we read in the scriptures, circumstances in our life that are gonna be confusing at times and hard, difficult to put together. And even though we see God work in one way, we're still confused about, well, What's happening here? But here's the difference. By understanding the biblical category of waiting, by coming to embrace it, not just as something that needs to be endured, but as something that's important for my spiritual life, that means that we can enter into these conflicting moments and be able to trust, to be able to rest, to be able to have confidence that even though I don't know everything that's happening, I'm still gonna choose to wait. Rather than pushing off waiting or resisting it, I'm going to embrace it. Until Jesus returns, church, we're always gonna be waiting. And the reality is that we live in a messy, complicated world. Waiting is our common experience as we long for Jesus to return. I invited you to wait with truth. What do you know about God when you don't know a lot about your life? I invited you to trust the Lord as you wait, to put your hope in him, to live on the promises of God, to realize the importance of time, the fact that we not only wait for the Lord, we wait on the Lord, and then find ways to be able to wait together. That's how there's a transformation that takes place of being able to see waiting, not just as something that I have to do, but actually something that I want to do. So instead of wasting your waiting, embrace your waiting. 
accept your waiting, and maybe even choose to wait. You know, the Lord Jesus is worthy of your trust. This season we celebrate that God is with us. He made good on his promise to send a son to take care of our sin, to die on a cross and be raised the third day in order that we could be rescued from the thing that we couldn't save ourselves from, namely our sin. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have every reason in the world to wait on Jesus because you know he's proven himself to be trustworthy. If you're not yet a Christian, what a, what a time right now to become a follower of Jesus, to realize that God's mercy is extended to you through the person of Jesus. He's ready to take over your life if you just trust him and rely on him for mercy and grace, to put your hope in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Because really, we're all waiting for something. The question isn't if we're waiting. The question is who are we waiting for? When we understand the value of waiting, as we've seen in the life of Simeon, we've seen throughout the Psalms and even hinted at in the book of Isaiah, we come to realize that waiting is a central part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So church, I welcome you to an ongoing journey of what it means to wait, to embrace the beautiful hope of Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So church, wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that our waiting upon you is not a waste. That our hope in you is not a fool's errand. Time and time again, you've proven yourself to be trustworthy. Time and time again, you've proven yourself to be for us and not against us. And so we pray that, God, we might be a people whose lives and hearts embrace what it means to wait. God, for brothers and sisters who are weary in their waiting, encourage them even today, grant them mercy and grace to bank their lives on truth and trust to be okay with the time that they're in and to find other people to help them wait together. We thank you, Jesus, that we can trust you. And we pray this in your beautiful name, in Jesus' name, amen.